Hello, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. We missed you all, and as a reminder, our episodes are still still dropping bi-weekly for the foreseeable future at the beginning of the week and you can follow us on social media our links will be in the description this week we are finally discussing the fantastic rebel rising by beth rebus uh and our girly Jin urso but before we get into that uh we'll start with our introductions hello i am emily uh you can find me on uh twitter and uh instagram at underscore to stardust m on tiktok at stardust m uh my pronouns are she her and my brainworm of the week is travis kelsey being just as insane as taylor swift so i think she finally met her match <laughs> buying mm. a six million dollar house <laughs> swelling that's paper. so that's so her in 2012 when she moved down the street from connor kennedy um and then he was immediately like uh what is happening and yeah that didn't work out anyway (laughs) crazy like vintage early days i i understand her my favorite is like i saw the quote recently she was like when i was in my 20s people just let me dress like a 50s housewife (laughs) she's so real for that though (laughs) I get I know, it. It's kind of iconic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with that, I guess Liv, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Liv. I use she/her pronouns. I have username update for this podcast. Um, I am now Lady Kira on with an L. Everything. I was going. I was getting to that. The I in Kira is actually an L. Um, <laughs> and that was my idea. Thanks. Um, innovation that excites (laughs) my brain worm of the week is um the curse of literacy and no i will not expand upon that (laughs) anyways hayden absolutely hello everybody my name is hayden uh you can find me on tiktok at teka.ytd on twitter and instagram at mcuytd and hi if we're still doing that at balance lover 69 um and then my brain room of the week is the is walter simonson coming back and doing a variant for the bounty hunters finale that's tell- a great segue into yeah. <laughs> what happened in the past couple of weeks. Guys, um, guys, I was out with my grandma when the news dropped. I was out with my grandma on a tour of my university. And I had the to news, act- The news being that Bounty Hunters is done. After with issue, issue 42. 42. And coincidentally, this is episode 42 of the podcast, so that did not go unnoticed. Um, I had to be normal for another six hours. And every time I was driving and I kept thinking about it and my mom and my grandma was talking to me and I was like tearing up. I I thank God I did not take my sunglasses off that whole day because I like, I was at lunch with her and I was trying not to cry and I was trying to pay attention, but I couldn't pay attention because I kept on thinking about how Bounty Hunters is ending. (laughs) Um, here's my story time of, of that day. Um, so that weekend I was like my dad was moving houses so I was helping him move and um 
I decided, like, I, I read the news and then I decided to go for a drive just because I didn't want people to see me cry. Um, and then I ended up crying so hard that I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I sat there for about five minutes. And then a truck pulled up behind me and came to my window. And it was a guy, a very nice guy who was like, hey, I'm just wondering if your car broke down, if you needed help or anything. And there I am sitting in, in my car, absolutely sobbing over a comic book. And then I said, that's really sweet of you, but no, I don't. And then he left. And then I cried some more, like still sitting there. But I noticed his truck hadn't moved yet. So he came back and he was like, hey, do you need to talk to someone or something? Like, I have some time to kill. And I was like, that is very, very nice of you. But I can assure you, I'm okay. This, I'm crying over something that does not matter. So, um, but doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm? But doesn't it? Not in the grand scheme of, of problems that he was probably thinking I was going through. No, it does not matter. Okay. I don't no. I don't know if the nice man on the side of the road would have how he would have received. No. Exactly. <laughs> They're canceling my favorite stuff. Yeah. So like it's the same as when I told my mom and she was like, Okay, and that means you're gonna be spending less money. And I was like, That's not the point. That's not the point. My but, dad recently yeah. asked me, he's like, What's going on with Star Wars? And I went Oh well, they canceled. They canceled Lemonade's favorite comic book, and they were like, "They make Star Wars comic books." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> so I like real. had to explain. <laughs> I can't lie. I had that same reaction about two years ago, and then I'm I was transformed into the mentally ill woman I am today. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's that's how my reaction to bounty hunters being canceled went um and then I went home and then I laid in my bed for about three hours and I cried and had a mental breakdown on Twitter most of it is public I apologize again <sighs> well it can't be as public as my breakdown Yours was more contained, though. Well, yeah, because, because I was out, out with my grandma. You, you weren't on Twitter as it was going down. Like, everyone was kind of sad, but I was, like... Liv was, like... I was going really... through it. Like, it was really bad. I'm only a little bit embarrassed, though. I don't think you should I be embarrassed like, at all. I honestly I feel know. like that's a fair reaction. Maybe. Because, it's just, like... It's, it's, like... <laughs> I love the comic itself, but it also, like, most of my friends that I have in this fandom are because of that comic. Yeah. So it's it's more than just the characters and the story itself. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. in all seriousness, that comic book did, in fact, change and alter the course of my life. And to know that it's ending... Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I don't think I would be where I was to, oh God, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I don't think I would be where I, <laughs> no, Hayden. No. We still have two more issues. Hold together. Yeah, still two more issues. 
I cannot. Nope. Okay. You're okay. <laughs> I predicted this on Twitter. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> I don't think. No. <laughs> She no wouldn't be where she was like... today if it wasn't for bounty hunters. Thank there you, you. Go. Thank you. <laughs> Thought it was over it, but but alas. <laughs> okay. I may have to take the day off work when Thornton yeah. comes out. Like I don't trust myself at all. And that would be fair. Yeah. I can do that now. I got a new job and it's much playful <laughs> anyway i have to go i keep meaning i have to go buy the uh comic with the uh hayden station it's betty hunters 39 I... in case the listeners did not oh, know no. hayden got a star wars station named after her Indeed, I did. I was now officially on Wikipedia. <laughs> the day it came out, I had al- I already knew because she had posted about it. Um, so when I went to go pick up my comic book, I literally I was like, "Hey, my my bestie Scott, like the comic book store owner." I was like, "You want to see something cool?" And I like <laughs> whipped it out of the the bag and board, and I was like, "That's my girlfriend's name. That's that's right there. It's right there." <laughs> I I did a similar thing. I went up to my bestie Dee at the comic book store. Shout out to Kamikaze. Um, I was like, you want to see something cool? <laughs> so I like silently pulled it out. I, I opened it to the page. I flipped it around and I went like really slowly and pointed at it. And he was like, oh. My bestie, was funny. Scott, my bestie Scott was like, well, you should get her to sign it. And then it'll be worth more. <laughs> For the listeners, I am in fact wearing the Besties t-shirt that we all got to match for celebration in and Anaheim. And proceeded not to wear it. Together. Yeah, proceeded to not. But we but went anyway. to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, what were we talking about before? Dining Hunters. Station. That you're, yeah, that you're okay. in Star Wars. Yeah. Um... <sighs> A wise, wise person by the name of Sage once said, the best way to get back at your ha- at your haters is just be so much better than them. And I've really taken that to heart. The best way to get back at your haters is be canon in Star Wars. Is be canon in Star Wars and have a Wikipedia page named after you. And few can relate to that. Basically just you, Sage, and Isabel. <laughs> oh, that's what you were talking about. Um... Liv mentioned that her bestie Scott said you should have her sign it. It would be worth more. I feel like there's going to be like a lineup of us now at Celebration in Japan if we all go with like our comic books and like, signing everybody's like me, Isabella, and Sage. Like just all putting our signatures all over the place. I feel like that would be funny. Is there anything else? What what else happened? Other announcements at that panel? Ethan uh, is writing it, another comic book. Yeah, a Django, Django comic. comic. Owen for Tamora Morrison. Enjoyers everywhere. 
including mm-hmm. me. There's but a Mace so true. comic? Hmm? Mace Windu comic? The Mace yeah, comic, Mace. that's right. And he's finally being written and drawn by black men. Thank oh, nice. God. Everyone cheered. Because that fucking Mace comic that came out a couple years ago, like Jedi of the, of the Republic, whatever, <gasps> that art was fucking horrendous. I have to show you the the Yoda that is in the first issue because it is terrifying. Is it the, the Yoda on his hands and knees? No, that's in Star Wars, the Jason oh. Aaron run. And guess who drew it? Our bestie Salvador LaRocca. <laughs> uh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that's his only gift to this world, I think. Yeah, is Yoda on that his hands and knees being called a freak? <laughs> Stop. Welcome to your new home, freak. And he's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I refuse to read that issue. I don't want to know the context. Don't tell okay. me the context. I don't okay. want it. It's you better got it. without it. <laughs> what else has happened? Uh... I was banned on my saber. private Twitter. That too. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wait, what'd you say, Liv? Stellan lightsaber. Oh, that's right. My one gripe with that lightsaber is that the arms open down and not go out. Because the whole point of the saber and like the cross guard is to keep the things open. So I don't understand why they're like folded down instead of folded up. So like when he ignites it, it goes out. And then the little cross guard things hold things out. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna trust you on that. For the um. for the listeners, Emily and I are both trying to mime like the the little cross guard parts and how it goes out on the saber. So we have we have like diamonds in the air, and then we're trying to figure out if they go up or if they go down. But yeah, that's my one gripe with the saber. And I don't know if I'm just the one who noticed that, or if I am like completely misinterpreting <laughs> Stellan's saber like going out. You know what else happened? Loden, Bell, and Asalamaru in Young Jedi Adventures. Oh, yes. Yes. And Ember. And Ember, yes. Of course. Um, I had... <laughs> Confession, I had not watched Young Jedi Adventures up to that point. I still have not watched it. <laughs> because I think we're all well aware of this, but I'm just really bad at watching television. Like, I still... I haven't, I, what's the last new show I watched? It has to be, like, I, I, I don't even know. I was really busy watching 20 seasons of Law and Order. <laughs> and I was really busy watching seasons of Modern Family, which I'm almost done with. Valid and so true. I, it was because I saw it on TikTok and it made me laugh, which is also valid. But anyway, um, they are coming to, uh, Young Jedi Adventures, which is funny because the week before that announcement had come out, so it came out on a Tuesday, last the Wednesday before at the comic book store, they had the Higher Public Adventures Annual, which is notoriously hard to find. And they only had it for like 35 bucks, which is not bad because some of the prices I've seen on eBay have been like $75, $80. Like it's ridiculous without shipping. So I asked my bestie to pull it aside for me. And then <laughs> once, um, once the news with um, Ember and Loden and Bell came out, 
the prices shot up even further. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. But my copy didn't get caught in that price hike. And Astalamaru, for some reason, Higher Public Volume One is was always super expensive. Like the cheapest I got it for and the cheapest I found it on eBay for was 30 bucks. And I can tell you right now it's in like the 50 to 75 range at the very least. So it didn't get caught in that price hike. And I got it for $35 and I read it and it was adorable. But anything else that happened in the the past? Oh, we will go back to this before we start recording and talk about Rebel Rising. But the writer strike finally ended. And as of the moment of this recording, um, the SAG-AFTRA union is going to be negotiating with the AMPTP. Uh, this week, I think, the 24th, I think they said, which is good. Yeah. So Their first negotiation did not go well. But... It did not, because the AMPTP was being stupid like they always stupid, do. Stupid, but we can we continue. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they will actually get the deal they want this time. Yeah. It's really not that fucking much, and they deserve <laughs> to get paid. <sighs> well, on that note, take it away, Emily. Today, after... Literally, since we started this podcast, I've been waiting to do this episode. Uh, we are finally going to be discussing Rebel Rising by the wonderful Beth Revis, uh, aka the uh, Generoso Bible. <laughs> um, so first, we're going to start with uh, overall thoughts. I want to hear Liv and Hayden's first, because everyone basically knows what I think about this book. <laughs> Which one of us wants to go first? You can go first. You've okay. read it more recently. That's true. Um, I'm going to be so totally honest. Jin was not one of my favorite characters, as in I just, like, I'm not as big of a Rogue One girly as, for example, Emily or Savi or Linz or anybody else. But, like, she, like, I liked her and I enjoyed her character. I just hadn't really thought too deeply about her. However, when I read this book, she is truly one of the most emotionally and, like, character-wise complex characters in Star Wars. And and Emily is right when she says, if you don't like Jin, read Rebel Rising, because it explains every single notion of her character that was presented in Rogue One. And I know, like, one of the critiques a lot of people have about Jin is that like, why wouldn't she fight for the Rebellion if she grew up under the Empire and the Empire killed her parents? It's because the re- both the Empire and the Rebellion took everything from her. And she's just tired. And she wants... she Since her father and her mother, since Galen and Lyra left Coruscant to live in Lamu, she has been running and looking over her shoulder ever since. She just She just wants it to stop. Like, she just wants one day of peace and that's where the line it's not a problem if you don't look up comes from because she has given everything to this cause and like she says all it's ever brought me is pain so she just she just wanted she was just done she was she was done and it was through cassian and the rest of the rebellion and yavin 4 that she found the strength to fight again so in other words rebel rising gave me a new appreciation for Jin and really helps me understand her character in Rogue One. Damn, you took all of my talking points. Just <laughs> repeat them. No! 
Just but, repeat yeah, them. I, it's our podcast. I was never like a huge fan of Jin. I was kind of indifferent towards her. Um, maybe that's just because I'm also not a huge Rogue One girly. Like I enjoy it, but it's not my fave. Apologies, Emily. Um, but I don't know. This book was really, really, really good. Like I, I'm gonna be real with you guys. I read this last August, so it it is kind of faded in my memory. But I'm gonna try really hard. Um, but <laughs> it was so good that I I read it in essentially one sitting because I actually I read it on my way to see Hayden for her birthday. Um, and my flight the got 20th, delayed. Not so the twenty first. Yes. Um, so I started reading it at the airport when my flight got delayed and, um, finished it on the plane. Like it was crazy because it, it just, it just hooks you. And this was characters that I never really thought much about. Like I had only like pretty much everything I knew outside of Rogue One about Jin and Saw was from Emily um from osmosis so i i didn't really have like an emotional attachment to them and usually for me to be invested in books i have to like really like the the characters before going in um but it's definitely changed that <laughs> for for the better obviously but it's just a really well written book like this isn't just slight young adult novels or anything because obviously I love them but it at times it felt like it was more than that like it was the the topics that it deals with are very more adult oriented but the way that it's written in a YA format really works for the story I think mm -hmm. that's yeah, all I, I can think, think of right now like a good balance of reflecting her age mm -hmm. and having to go through things that were like way beyond yeah what she mm -hmm. could like what, what a child of that age should be experiencing mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't I everyone knows that I love this book I have <laughs> forced so many people to read it and it makes me so happy how basically every single person that has read it has come back and be like yeah it's really good <laughs> like you, i will be the first to say you were correct yeah like pushing I, the rebel rising agenda it was like the same like i like mac was like also like yeah it's probably one of my favorite star wars books like i've had other people in my tiktok comments tell me like they read it because they saw me talking about it and they loved it and uh <laughs> yeah you can't see but i have my tabs and tabs and tabs <laughs> tabs and annotated with sticky notes that have like my <laughs> thoughts and theories of how this like and things and uh yeah I I love this book it was the first canon Star Wars book that I read when I was starting to get really into Star Wars again or really into Star Wars and um it just made me fall so deeply in love with uh with Jin or so and it named and I maintain that love and I think yeah like what Hayden would say it just so beautifully explains everything 
about her character in Rogue One and when you read this book and then watch Rogue One and especially watch her interactions with Saw it just it hurts so when I tell you when, she, when Jin left or when Saw left Jin the first thing that I did was I looked up that scene when Jin finally confronts Saw in on Jeddah um when Cassian brings her there and I remember I texted Emily the screen and I was like what the fuck is wrong with Beth Revis because you I just really didn't understand the emotion and like the the events behind their final like oh my god my hair is crazy behind their like eventual confrontation on Jenna and like yeah it is such an emotionally charged scene without the context that you have but when you know that what happened on the factory on that one planet whose name I can't remember how it saw like abandoned Jin for this guy that tried to kill him and was like literally bleeding out from shrapnel in his chest and he still chose to leave her behind that shit hit hard like you're not leaving me behind, are you, Janice? Urgently, you're coming back for me, right? All she could think about was Saw's growing paranoia, the way he had treated Jari and some others. Promise, she said in a small voice. Like, you you just don't understand the emotional depth of that scene if you have not read Rebel Rising. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, what are your favorite what's your favorite moment or moments i loved the part when it's Jin and that one guy that turns out to be the spy i don't remember his name but when reese. they challenge reese there we go and it's with a c i think so complete yes. and total like what a bitch peak peak douchebag like frat bro frat bro behavior when they start sparring and he's like oh you're a little girl you can't do anything to me she whoops the shit out of him and then you can see saw like smiling super proud of her in the background like yeah i i love that part um it's like uh like i don't remember what he says and reese is like i'll go easy on her and she went and suck as i was talking to jim yeah that part I also just love their, like, domestic intimate moments. Like, um, when Jin shaves his head, when she, when he gives her her own space in the bunker because, like, she's a young woman among mostly dudes. men. Among who? Dudes. Among dudes, dudes and, like, when, grown uh, men. Oh, it's Saw's friend has to, like, teach her about, like, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Because Saw was too afraid to, and I think that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My god. But yeah, just like there are moments where they have such a deep connection and she knows that Saw wouldn't trust his life with anyone else. And I also like the moments in her room when she like sees when she sees her reflection and she sees the ghost of her mother and the reflection. What the fuck, Beth Rebus? Overall, it is Jin and Saul's relationship. I, I'm gonna be honest. I truly didn't understand it when I watched when when I watched Rogue One without watching without reading this. I just really didn't understand it. But this explains their relationship so 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 well. And I think the definitely the parts about training and how she was trained by Saw 
and how she and how um like the the motto that he says if one fighter with a sharp stick can still take the day and how she still really does take that with her but yeah their relationship in this book was perfect well maybe not perfect in that he left her on a war-torn planet but you know (laughs) well written yes yes uh, my favorite part, I think, and this is where I apologize because I don't remember names of anything at all. <laughs> um, but when she goes to the planet and the family takes her in and she kind of has a little boyfriend and she just, hater. Hate, okay, yeah. hater. Um, and, he, and she gets to know what it's kind of like to be a normal yeah. girl. And, mm-hmm. but then it all comes crashing down very, very, very quickly. And it just yeah. adds to the tragedy that is Jenner's life. Yeah. Like she, in the part when she realized that the thing that got her through the hyperspace point into that, um, the space station was the sacrifice of Jin and Akshaya. Like, and then she realized like, she was so hollow and so numb. Like, she... Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. It was just, like, she lost, like, the last... She and then lost the last little bit of She gets to the space station, and, and she gets to the room, and it just talks about her, like, curling into a ball and, like, sobbing. Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> like, this book was just so, so good at, at like... At stre- not stretching out Jen's character, but fulfilling it and adding just layers upon layers upon layers of complexity. I This book is definitely a must read for anybody who is like a Star Wars fan, Rogue One girly, any of the affiliations. It's a yeah. must, must read. Yeah, and where people like. Exactly. <laughs> what I think it also did was it really, like, I know. Emma's talked about this a lot in our Andor episodes and our Cassian episodes and the episodes where we touched on Jim and not really, but it really just, it emphasizes the foil between Jin and Cassian and why they're such a perfect pair and how they, and why they work so well together in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you read this book after seeing Andor. Yeah. Like, hundred percent. like, it's, you can, like, I don't know, like, somebody in that writer's room, somebody in the story group, like... Tony Gilroy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony Gilroy is a rebel rising girly. He told me himself. <laughs> Tony Gilroy did like Star Wars, but that uh, excludes rebel rising. That excludes rebel rising. Which he loves. <laughs> <laughs> I have that picture that I made of, like, Forrest Whitaker with a book, and I, like, put rebel rising <laughs> on top of it. I was like, Forrest Whitaker preparing for Andor. <laughs> I didn't, now that I think about it, I need to go back and watch the the scenes that Andor specifically with Saw where he's on that planet. Because I, I just, I want to see how I like recontextualize it with the knowledge that he had basically like just left Jin behind. Like he had just left her on that Which explosion probably, planet. Probably why his hair was longer because he was. Because he was waiting for her to shave it. Because he was recovering from his injury so he probably couldn't. And then he didn't trust like any of the partisans enough to help him like he trusted Jin. So, yeah. Also, the uh, um, dedication in this book being from and her husband. Says, I, know. Is, I know. And then it's so perfect because then she got 
Beth later got to write Leia at Han. Like, <laughs> love you, Beth Rebus. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite one, like Hayden, it's a lot of the Jin and Saw stuff, but particularly the like martyr conversation where yeah they're talking about Stila, uh, which is like one of the mm-hmm. only times, and he says. They need more fighters like her to die like she did. The resistance need a martyr, a tragedy, something so horrific that people cannot help but stand up and fight too. And then like knowing that is like... That is literally both... Jin's fate. Yeah, Jin and Saw both were martyrs for this cause. Oh my god, I have chills again. Yeah. Maybe and, I just like... put on my sweater. <laughs> I just took off my sweater! Oh my God, maybe I can be in my Charles Soul area and wear my cardigan. That's so true. All you need is one good, solid tragedy, and people will will flock. Nothing unites people like that. Yeah. And the Death Star with their Alderaan, the Death Star plans. Yeah. That was. Yeah. That was their tragedy. I'm and like even like frumpy. thinking about. I'm frumpily or, crossing my cardigan in front of myself. Cr- and even think about then like and or like nothing unites people like that like a tragedy and thinking like what happened on Ferrix with with Cassian and then with Bix and with um I'm forgetting his name but like and the Empire takeover and how that like ended up uniting oh, them to rise up Pac and then Marva like dying and all of that like made them rise up it's just mm-hmm. I have chills again stop it <laughs> Ethereus was cooking so hard with this. She wasn't cooking. She was chefing. The kitchen was on fire. (laughs) The kitchen was on fire. The windows were open. Like, the oven, all four burgers and the two ovens were going. Smoke alarm going off. (laughs) Oh, no. She wasn't cooking. She was flambeing. (laughs) She was sautéing. She was poaching. She was doing all of the above. As for the other members of the partisans within Saw's cell and the cells he interacts with most, who's that one girl that when they go to that festival, she dies? I think her name's Maya. 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 And I think it's awesome how (laughs) she. Maya. (laughs) And I think it's. Yeah. Uh, Maya with her gloves and then she gets a reference in the uh, Rogue One novelization oh. uh, they mention her and Jin remembers the synth skin gloves but then she like she's like oh where's Maya and then she like remembers that she died like a lot of years ago Maya synth best skin game. just like balance for real shut the fuck up so sick me yeah <laughs> you were probably like 0.2 seconds away from saying it no yeah. it wasn't just yeah, for just for your information i was no, not anyway anyways uh stavin also shout out him who helped jin uh learn how to like defuse the bomb yeah i think that interaction too with with saw and how it her like his disappointment in her like fueled her to train more and to just like become more of a partisan so that she could still fulfill his idea of like 
the weapon that she had become to be. Yeah, but then it's, I know I'm good enough for this mission. Seven, not as silly you are, but I don't think Saul wants to admit it. So basically, like, mm-hmm. even though, like, he had trained her to be a weapon, um, he <laughs> didn't want her to, like, suffer or, like, yeah. be to put, put in danger in unnecessarily. Way. Like, yeah, even though, like, he had trained her as a soldier, he still did see her as his, as his child. Daughter. Yeah. As as the daughter all oh, the to Jim Guerrera. I'll kill myself right here. <laughs> just... That was awful of Beth Revis to do that. I do love the entire vibe of the partisans. He's like, this is the the whose goddamn white baby is that? <laughs> This is my daughter. Who's got that one movie? Isn't there like a line where where Jin says like the looks on their faces said that they they didn't buy it, but they didn't have the the guts to question. Yeah, it literally it literally like t- talks about how like they have this big black band and then this tiny white kid, and they're like, okay, like you know in SpongeBob, <laughs> where it's like Sponge. Plus star equals clam. <laughs> two plus two equals fish. Fish, like I just, okay. I, I love the, and I love the vibe. How it's like, no, truly, like Saw never explained like where he got this child, who she no. is. Like she's just here, and this is she's my baby. Fighting. She yeah. just, <laughs> she to like, be there, the so they're not. She will it. kill you, but for now, she's just what vibing. The fuck is this eleven year old doing training with all these like? <laughs> also just once again flashback to uh obi-wan i'm not giving a 10 year old a gun versus sagarera three days in let's get this eight year old on the shooting range guys <laughs> we got shit to do <laughs> there's oh no time for rest <laughs> what are the things that I think also what sticks out to me about like Jin when she's specifically on that planet and that bunker with Saw is how she still wants to like she's still like learning and being taught by Saw how to how to fight and how to become a weapon but she still wants to continue her mother's her mother's legacy of like like knowledge learning mm-hmm. like traditional like schooling learning and how she has ac- she asks saw for a data pad because she wants access to the holonet to like continue her studies and she i also enjoyed the parts where saw gave her the code replicator and how she taught herself like that and she reminded herself of her father whenever she was doing that and how when she she was particularly good at science but she, but she didn't like it but she enjoyed doing the code replicator I feel like that was still just a nice connection to um to Galen and even though she like completely denounces him because at, from her impressions of it she left her family he left her behind to go work for the empire and because she's growing up with Saw she knows how horrible the empire is she still feels that connection to him when she's learning like science and math and whatever yeah the like really like it's one of the things too like where like Beth saw like in Rogue One how she was this like kind of amalgamation of her parents and then like yeah. we really got this expanded like obviously we see her learning with Saw but like yeah continuing to see the way that her her mom and her uh, Galen and Lyra 
affect her and the way she talks about Lyra in this book and like how much she just like misses having a, a mother. And I know I mentioned this before, but the point where she looks at herself in the mirror and like doesn't recognize herself because she sees her mother for a split second. Mm-hmm. damn yeah and like yeah I, I know like somebody I know somebody's like oh I saw some things that like make Jin seem like a pick me girl which is like that's not what it is it's like it's that Jin doesn't have the opportunity to like be that feminine and like she doesn't like ever put down other women in fact like she really loves other women like we get to like, like a, a Maya, Akshaya, Ashaya, um, Akasha, Akasha. I always I don't know how to pronounce her name, but Akasha. Like, uh, eventually when she like has to go on that mission for the Empire with the crew and she's like blue and stuff. Like, Jin, like in a lot of ways, like she really does like crave being around other women, but like she just like in the situation she's in, like is not really in a situation to like explore her femininity or anything mm-hmm. and it's like yeah because like what the fuck is Sagarera's gonna do like Sagarera yeah. can't braid your hair he's he himself is so like whatever is most practical that's what we're doing um yeah and I think that's so interesting and then I also think like just seeing her kind of like that uh like the also the kind of teenage thing of like wanting to fit in with like the cool older kids where it's like mm-hmm. all of the other partisans like they come and they drink and they swim and Jin has this like weird kind of balance of like she saw his favorite so like they feel disconnected and she's younger but like she wants to like hang out with them she wants to them to see her as like cool and a part of the group too and like that's why I think like um like books like this and Padawan and I think like Most Wanted and um Prince of the Scoundrel do really well is like balancing this like obviously you have these like teenage Star Wars characters who are in insane situations that you're never gonna find yourself in but like they have that deep relatability of being a teenager where you're having your first crush you're having your first boyfriend you're having anxiety about what your future is you're wanting to have people like you and have your parents be impressed by you like all of that is like so it brings it back and it just makes it so like deeply relatable like you know reading this in your 20s and just being like oh yeah god I remember feeling like that (laughs) when I was a 14 year old girl yeah yeah I think that's uh, also why she feels such a strong connection to Akshaya is because she's the first person since her mother who's really like encouraged her to not necessarily like well well she ex- she encourages her to be quote unquote normal mm-hmm. and that includes you know maybe starting a relationship with Hatter and I'm not sure if sneaking it- off and and like sneaking yeah. off to fly together and like yeah like teenage. normal normal for the galaxy's teenage girl things mm-hmm. and I feel like yes. that's one of the strong reasons why she eventually denounces the rebellion because she she knows that the violence that the empire and the rebellion eventually like come to blows at doesn't discriminate like mm-hmm. all Akshaya wanted to do was help 
and the whole point the whole reason that basically Jin feels as though Akshaya and Hat are dying was her fault because she was the one who encouraged Hatter by discouraging him it's teenage nature like they're gonna do the opposite of what you want them to do because they're rebels in the teenage sense so I think that just really emphasized why like the rebellion just wasn't working for her and that's why she denounced it in the end what part of the reason why she denounced it and I think a lot of people like I think I've said this before but like a lot of people I think don't understand that like Jin choosing not to be a part of the rebellion or the empire, like just choosing that, is really the first decision that she ever got to make for yeah. herself. No, I was literally just about to bring Moving that up. Her parent, her father defecting from the empire, not her decision. Her parents leaving her to Saw, not her decision. Saw leaving her behind, joining the partisans. Saw leaving her behind, not her decision. Even going to being with Akasha and Hater is not really her decision it's a circumstance of like yeah her so this final like I don't want to be involved is like the first time that it's she's the first ever time like she's made had, a decision for herself yeah and like had control of her own life and like once again I also think people like don't realize like she was 16 like she'd been working for the rebellion for eight years like it this wasn't even the decision of like a grown adult like Han no offense but like Han very consciously chooses not to as a grown adult man um but but like Jin he eventually comes around but like it's like she it's so hard and that's like kind of the same thing with Cassie and at the beginning is like it's just like this decision of like when you've seen so much tragedy in your life and you've experienced the violence of the empire like part of you is like i'm just too tired to yeah to continue to do this like losing your like, basically seeing the your, seeing your parent get killed by the empire is getting left by your other parent <laughs> yeah like <laughs> like uh it's 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 hard and it's not and once you put that in context it's not like, I think a lot of people, like, when they just hear Jin say, like, oh, it's not a problem if you don't look up, it's trying to be, like, kind of this apathy, but it's just, it's pain manifesting yeah. as apathy. And she also, I want to note that part of why she says that, too, is because she knows it'll hurt Saw. It's because she's so mm-hmm. angry and upset at Saw that she knows, like, that's, like, one of the worst things that she could say to him because he taught her so much about wanting to fight. Mm-hmm. that's another lad added layer to like that particular thing which I think a lot of people sometimes bring up uh out of context mm-hmm. to be like Jin was like whatever it's like there's a lot of layers to why she's saying yeah that. <sighs> this actually reminds me of when I was reading the first Murderbot book all systems read um basically Murderbot or the sec unit is it, it, basically this corporate slave built to built for one purpose which is to be a security person and at the end of the mission he basically he saves this research team and does his job good so what happens is the head of this research team who's like the president or like founder or something of this non-corporate entity so corporations basically own like they have bonds and they um they sponsor expeditions and things like that so this non-corporate entity who is like 
they're separate from they're in a completely different space from these corporate entities and like the corporate rim i think it's called um this non-corporate entity and like the leader of this non-corporate entity loves this second unit so much that she offers to buy it from the company that like sponsors the sec units and have it be like her and have it like live whenever she wants and live and do whatever it wants but at the very very end of the book he decides to run away from this new life and like Jin, it was the first decision that he that it had ever like really made in its entire life and when you put it in the grand context of things and when you know whatever like you know the context of what both Jin and murderbot had gone through you're like, why would they do that? It was the first chance they had ever had to like actually be free and to actually fight for and do something right. But it was the first like expression of agency that they had ever had in their entire life. And the first time they ever made a choice for themselves without putting others' needs before them. Mm-hmm. So that context also really helps um, contextualize, again, Jin's character in Rogue One <laughs> and the Rogue One novelization. Anyway, I just wanted to make that connection there. Yeah. Uh, Liv, any thoughts on Jin? No. <laughs> Nothing that's as eloquent as, as you guys or hasn't already been said. It's all good. Uh, the only, I, I, we talked about it's not quite a bit. The only other thing I want to say is, uh, and I don't I think maybe you guys agree I think this is probably the best canon appearance of Saw 100% um no question about it I think that Beth Ravis did a really fantastic job humanizing him Mm. to show not only like the because I think like obviously like I think like there's a lot of like you can see that he just does love Jin like uh yeah she was one of his soldiers and yes he left her but like he did love her and love her like a daughter like that was his child and also the thing that I love about this book is showing how much the partisans love Saw to show how much the partisans believe in Saw and what he's doing and showing him as a leader and showing how much they want his respect and how much they they want to follow him and they believe in him in a way that I think other media doesn't and other media has in my opinion specifically avoided putting him with his partisans to make him seem more extreme and alone even though that is not true and he has a group of very loyal followers that Mm -hmm. believe in him and that validate him and like I think show like that like obviously he has some right ideas um mm. especially i think in the beginning of the war when kind of especially before the alliance we get hints of the alliance being formed here yeah. um but uh like before the alliance when like he was really out there like trying um and fighting and he and he was fighting basically since the empire formed no not basically since since the empire formed yeah we know that from bad batch he was out there being like fuck that like we have to we have to keep going or we have to uh end this so yeah no i I totally agree oh go ahead it's a really no i just think it's really good and i think um it is a, a 
in the appearance that really um, approaches him with empathy and mm-hmm. humanity. I I was going to say the exact same thing that I like 100% agree with you with like this is 100% the best canon depiction of Saw because novels and in particular young adult novels you get to delve into characters in a way in which like books and comics and uh, or not books and comics but um, TV shows and movies don't necessarily get to do and even comics it's limited to a certain extent because you have like a constraint on the amount of pages that you can have but when you're writing a book and you have prose like Beth Revis writes you really get to flesh out the character and explain a lot of their decisions and provide context for a lot of the decisions that they make in whereas in a movie or a television show you would just not get that opportunity at all and granted, I have not read the Rogue One novelization, but I'm pretty sure it also does this in the same way. In you get, you just get a lot of like humanization of Saw, and I think the fact that this is a young adult novel helps because you get a lot of like character interactions and character building that again you wouldn't otherwise get in a tel- in a television or a movie or a television show or a movie. So I think. The fact that this is, like, written in prose and is through the eyes of a child. Like, remember, Jin is eight years old when Jin, not when Jin, when Saw takes her from Lamu. Like, she's eight years old. And seeing him in this light, in this, not necessarily, like, a enlightened point of view from the view of a child, it's just more real. Because children aren't biased by their upbringings and whatever they've been told about the world, we see Saw in this light that we've never seen him before. And that is as a person with flaws and quirks and everything that makes up a person. Because we've only seen him in these um, combative situations, again, in Rogue One and Andor, we haven't really seen like him. And when mm-hmm. he's with Jin, he's the most vulnerable that he's ever been. And I think that's why this is the best depiction of saw in at least a star wars canon yeah so far for sure um andor was pretty good too but you just you don't have the it was a lot of him yeah there wasn't a lot yeah. of him, but it was it was good and but we also are seeing him from the point of view of he's meeting with another rebel leader which yeah. is a very different context than with a child he is raising yeah um yeah that's also it it's a great continuation of catalyst where uh Obviously, so like Saw helps um, uh, get uh, help Galen and Lyra escape from Coruscant, and so that's how they know him. Uh, and they came in contact, and Jin talks about how she wants her their her friend Saw to stay with them when they go to Lemuel. Um It's very and how, sweet. I think in the not in the prologue, but in the first chapter of the book, when. <laughs> she when her mom is telling her like you can't call saw because he'll think it's an emergency and come running but the only reason she wants to call him is because she wants to see him because she misses him she just likes him (laughs) that's just her friend yeah that's that's the saw that's uncle saw that's Saw. like that's her that's her friend yeah but that's uh, my 45 year old man bestie that's my 45 year old that's my 45 year old best friend wrong (laughs) in her entire life exactly (laughs) 
one thing I will say about the partisans before we move to Akshaya and Hatter mm-hmm. is that I I enjoyed seeing the range of like the different partisans and how not fickle, but how many different groups Saw is connected to and um and the type of missions he does. Like it's just interesting to see the um the demographic, I think, of mm-hmm. his like frequented partisans like they're all usually young like 20s early 30s maybe and how and and just how they function within saw's little chunk of um the rebellion well yeah also sick reference to the partisan that fought uh callus she mentions at the beginning that there is a Lissot partisan. Um, oh. And I'm assuming that's... We don't get a name, but Lissot partisan. And I assume that there's... And knowing that there's not that many Lissots and yeah. the only other Lissot... And one of the only other Lissots oh. that we've been talked about is the one that was connected to Saw's cell. It is that and Paolo, and I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, like, of course, the, like, Zeb's, like, the people yeah. in Rebels, but obviously this was not uh, yeah, Grunkle yeah. <laughs> oh my god uh, yeah, so that was a fun little easter egg reference um, love you Beth uh, yeah, Acacia and Hater R.I.P. deserve better yeah they were cute. They really had me in my domestic era. Like I wanted to move to that little planet. Like <laughs> those feeding fields... breakfast for her. Yeah. Like I want that. I want to be in this sleepy little town with a diner and a little, like seaside, like shop places and big open fields, and it's right next to the ocean. And it was like red, and there was mandalas all over everything. And then at the end when she says that uh, there was something about him that reminded her of she couldn't quite place it when she sees Cassian. Oh. That's rude. Yeah. And then uh, also, but she was insane for uh, Hater fell back in the blanket. You can do whatever you want to my body. He said his hidden hooded eyes glazing up at her. So she did. Yeah, I see you, Jin Urso. Jin is a top. okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Add it to the canon sex list. I know Nova's going crazy. <laughs> the fact that we've all had a discussion with Nova. I remember sitting in my car talking to Nova about that <laughs> Wikipedia page. Oh my god. But But I think why she sees something she couldn't quite place in Cassian is she's reminded of Hatter's, like, fiery, rebellious spirit and how he's so driven and he wants wants to leave. Beth confirmed that it was when she said some reminded her of something she couldn't quite place. Beth has confirmed that that was Hatter. That was Hatter. Damn. I think they're similar in a lot of ways. But they're both 
very i mean like hatter and cassian but they're both very independent they're both very driven and they're both very outspoken like that's the whole reason why they get in trouble is because um hatter is very vocal about his dislike of the empire being on the planet whose name i cannot remember for the life of me and i mean we all know what happened in andor mm-hmm. but yeah i really enjoyed that kind of whole part of rebel rising and on that planet i think it was about a hundred pages so a good chunk of the book happens on that planet and they're they're she's just in her domestic era like just sitting around and reading and talking with like cheyenne hatter and like emily mentioned sneaking off to go fly and yeah and have sex yeah as teenagers do for her good for her exactly good for her she's living her life and then when Saw's partisan come back and she like kind of convinced herself that like Saul was dead and like that's why he didn't come back. Yeah. Saul was alive and he didn't want her. Who was he? I mean, really, he used to call me his daughter Jin Thought and then he left me behind. So I think that entire sequence is really what it it wasn't quite solidified there, but that was helpful that was what helped solidify her decision to not rejoin or like keep fighting for the rebellion is mm-hmm. seeing how even, and I think I, I touched on this before, but how even when these innocent people, the, these innocent people who had probably never really, they, I mean, it was mentioned in the book, but they had never imagined that the empire would be on their doorstep and how, even though they didn't like of, of course they didn't like them but they couldn't say anything about it because their house would get burned down as Akshay and Hatters did but how again like violence doesn't discriminate like the empire doesn't discriminate he doesn't care if it was just like one time or if it was something overheard or misheard it, it just doesn't matter to them mm-hmm. and I think that as we mentioned before is what really helped push her in the direction of non-action and it was rightful non-action in my opinion Jin was well within her right to not keep fighting for the rebellion yeah and also not wanting hater to go because like, yeah that was... because she knows how much it takes from you she knows the danger you're in she knows the she just she knows how much how dangerous it is and how much it will take from you even if you mm-hmm. do everything, everything right, it still has the capacity to take and just take and take and take. Yeah. Also, the Exod, uh, I have seen the fulcrum. Uh, he said. I, I think I think I Leonardo DiCaprio point and gifted that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she like doesn't know what it means, but also like if he's seen the fulcrum, I wonder which fulcrum. Yeah. And I think it might be Cassian because I think I would think line. either Cassian well, or Callus. It might be a little, it depends. Well, no, I think this would be too early for Callus. Oh, that's right. So And it, it might be too early Cassian. for Cassian. I don't know. It depends on, I guess this would be a little bit Soka? later because this is more towards the, well, this is more towards the end of her time because it, so it could be Callus or Cassian um, or potentially other fulcrum because- That we don't know about. Yeah. That could maybe be talked about in Andor. Also, the only other part is that I want to say Kato, shout out Kato. Yeah. <laughs> when my baby boy comes in and Andor and we see him die. <laughs> because we know from the Rebel or the Rogue One novelization that he died somewhere between Jin 
leaving and uh that so hope i see my Rip little Cotto. redhead there <laughs> ripcado um anything else on i think they were cute and it's truly truly sad what happened to them mm-hmm. yeah so the prison roommates i think that the story with the Gigoran was so so sad and how they still made Jin like go to her corpse and grab the tools be- so that they didn't lose money like I well Bonnie is I think like it's mentioned in the book it is probably one of the worst prisons that there is yeah the uh just everything on Will Bonnie is so terrible and like seeing like the like obviously her roommate like choosing that versus also like seeing like the empire killing people um Mm -hmm. yeah and then like putting it in the context of like what Liv said uh in our and or episodes of like the reason their rotations are probably like this where they don't let them stay with the same people and they make them do different jobs is because of what happened on like that's totally plausible and i wouldn't be surprised if they touched on that in if this happens if Jin is ever in uh an episode of season two yeah, and I just think, like, everything where it jumps to that, like, the fact that it, like, starts with it, and it's, like, the months, and mm-hmm. they're, like, they say, like, they don't think she'll last, like, yeah, but then, and then when it starts out, and he said, welcome to the worst days of your life, the worst days of her life, the word could do nothing more than scroll as Jin laughed, or, uh, scowl as Jin laughed in his face, like, the fact that she's, like, this isn't even... This isn't even the worst. Yeah, like, just... Oh, God, yeah, Damn. the prison stuff is truly hot. It, it was rough to read. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the entire thing and, like... Just, And learning yeah. about how... You can literally see the light leave both her and her cellmate's eyes. Even with that Mary Allen who started the, um, the, the breakout or the riot. I don't remember what it was. But how she literally saw her gun down in front of her door and she was mm-hmm. so terrified of the guards that she didn't even leave her cell yeah just like the yeah it's horrible and like the fact that like they're making things and like she's like I don't even know if these are actually like going anywhere yeah. like I just think they're that- literally having us make things and then they're just like melting, melting them, them down, back down yeah. and then sending it back to us mm-hmm. like that like, that was that is the definition of soul crushing mm-hmm. just like oh god mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's like some of the like one of those moments like uh i guess it's also in uh Princess of Alderaan where they're on one body and it's just another one of those like where you truly see the the I don't even know what like word but like the uh capacity for torture I guess that the Empire has like just the truly the disregard for uh for for life and mm-hmm. it's insane 
and I mean it's the empire, so we knew that they were pre- that they were pretty bad, but it just emphasizes how mm-hmm. bad they really are. Yeah. And anybody saying that the rebellion and the empire are just as bad have not have not like read or watched or, anything. Or specifically when people try to say that Saw is just as bad. Like this book shows that like no the fuck he is yeah. not. <laughs> no. No the fuck he is not. Anything else on the prison mates? And by crewmates, do you mean like the the, the with the one uh, where she yeah. has to do the the code replicator? The co- yeah, where she's uh, where the empire like makes her go on the mission, but like she ends up like really liking them. Yeah, uh, and then she blue. still gets betrayed by the empire anyway. Yeah, blue. Yeah, and I think I think the making it that creature that was in like the first planet that they went on her first mission was saw where it, like really wasn't a mission but it turned into a mission, um, and how her past came back to haunt her, in that way that was scary. Wasn't that yeah. the the crew that was like mostly non humans that like yeah. rarely ever trust trusted humans and mm-hmm. they got around to trusting Jin. And she just felt guilty the entire time because she knew. Yeah. 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 That sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she's like, no, I did what you told me. And they're like, well, you committed a crime still. So they sent her away. Like it was a sham trial and just It was awful. It was hard. It was hard to read. Awful. Oh God. Any other plot stuff that we have not talked about yet one of the things i want to bring up actually on that note is the um the first planet where they went to that dinner party and Jin gets all nice and pretty and she puts makeup on and she's only supposed to oh, and, the like, bloom sit outside. festival yeah the bloom festival i don't remember what planet it's on but how her curiosity gets the best of her and i mean she's she's what like nine ten eleven years no old? that she's older Oh, okay. But like still, 15. her curiosity gets the best of her, and she goes to check it out. Because that's when Maya dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really the, enjoyed also, that part of it. The story of the uh, the starbird that yeah. turns into stardust mm-hmm. and then is reborn. And then I... Also... Uh, another thing mentions that she was on Takadana for like a year. Yeah, uh, which means that uh, she knows Maz. Maz, Maz, and that also the whole thing comes together. Starboard reburn. You can see the same eyes in different people. Ray has Jim's eyes because she was turned into star star dust and then reborn as Ray. Yeah, that's my <laughs> <laughs> so true. She has I they're very similar they have that same rebellious and like tenacious spirit and mm-hmm. they're both really stubborn yeah like i definitely and all, all i want is a Moz and jim comic with the forces of destiny hyperspace stories that would hyperspace be a good story. place like, to do it because uh it's the same thing like in last shot we see uh han on Takadana, like, interacting with Maz, and I really want that for, for Jin to see. Like, I think just, like, a, like, a Maz's castle series, where, like, 
it's just that like would be good. that should be the next anthology series that dark horse does yeah like it's just people coming to Moz's like takadana and like tales doing, from takodana yeah tales from takodana just like these random like missions and stuff and like interactions so we see like jim and han and you can like maybe some of the high republic and like you could tie it into like the acolyte stuff when it comes out and then going into like a sequel era this is why they should hire us i truly think we should be hired by them we are just we're too smart for our own good yes so that's that's my next i think anthology series that'd be Cool. Tales, of, Tales from so. Takodana. Plus, Tales they have Takodana. been neglecting the sequels insanely the past couple of years. That would be a good way to yeah. tie them back in. And could be potentially a way to tie in New Jedi Order. Yeah, stuff having characters come after seeing that. This is this is let how it, we win. Let me let me see Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo go to Takodana with Lor Santaka. Yes. <laughs> looking, looking for some artifacts <laughs> anyway i think i think they should they should hire us specifically to do that but anyway <sighs> anything else uh connections to other stars we i think i pointed most of it out uh but they also mentioned something about slavery uh i think well here it is um Oh, uh, let me find it. I don't know. I'm sorry. I have so many sticky notes. Oh, it's uh, okay. Saw mentioned something about slavery and like freeing, and I think that I think that could have potentially been a connection to Fallen Order. Oh, and his mission there because it on was on Kashyyyk, uh, right? Yes, because wasn't that he would freeing? Make sense. Yeah, and stuff there. So I think part that... of it is freeing the Wookiees on Kashyyyk from their sap mining operation. Yeah, so I think that could have potentially been a reference to that. Uh, also, not in this book, but like would have taken place during the events of this book. Obviously, is the solo uh, epilogue where Jin Erso and Sagrera meet and fist nest. So true, and <laughs> and this gives uh they'll underestimate you make them make them regret it it. that's truly one of the best lines in star wars in my opinion yes they will underestimate you make them regret it and it's that and i just feel like that fits so well with enfis and Jin, and also going into like cinta like god you know who i miss i miss enfis very very badly where is she we need an enfis nest book yeah Justina Ireland. Love you, Justina. That's supposed to be a heart, but I'm holding a pen. Justina, please write an Emphasis book. I know you're very busy with the High Republic, but if you could take a little break. (laughs) Not for much longer. Aaron Kellyman. Or just, you know, Aaron Kellyman. Your bestie, Aaron Kellyman, who you met at the Andor premiere. If she she, she should write her, just let her write the... (laughs) Co- Beth? Justina, Beth, and Aaron, and Aaron Kellyman all co-writing a book. Nods of agreement in the chat. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, um, not, but Beth Revis should 100% write a Val and Mon Mothma book. Oh, uh, I she think, would slay a Mon Mothma book. I think 100%. she should write a book where it's basically Val and Mon Mothma at, like, the same time in their life, but, like, obviously, like, different, so it's same, I it's, think- like, 
at 16, her like marrying Perrin and becoming a senator, and then it's Belle. I think it should 16. start with them like be growing up together and being close, and then yes, they diverge but, like, like that. Because like there's so much, there's an age difference. So like seeing Mon Mothma grow, but then like Vel and like also like tying in like the fact that like once again, like Perrin's like having a like, oh, we gotta have a husband, but like obviously Vel is a lesbian so like seeing like maybe her first relationship with like women on yeah uh on correct not what is the Velcinta origin story what Sandrilla Sandrilla and like like see like seeing more about like Chandrillan culture and like why Mon Mothma and Val have such like a reaction with like the religious stuff when Mm -hmm. uh Lita is doing it and like this like ooh yikes and then also seeing like um specifically like Mon Mothma's reaction like her being pregnant after like knowing Padme and like her pregnancy very interesting yeah just uh yeah damn how did I guess we already talked about how it affected your view of Jin and Saw so it completely recontextualize how I think about her as I think the best way I can say it Mm -hmm. uh any other thoughts on rebel rising not for me i think it it, it's a fantastic book and if Mm -hmm. if you're rogue one girly this is required reading because if you Mm -hmm. love Jin and rogue one you're gonna love her more even even more after this yeah and i think this is also a really good like starting point for getting into star wars like extended media because it's a character you're familiar with if you watch the anthology movies. Um, and it if you're a fan of, like, Origins of the Rebellion, this is also the book for you. Yeah. I think if you read this, like, uh, if you read, like, Ahsoka, Leia, and this book, uh, it's Ooh, a really great, yeah. like, rebel, girly, rebellion, uh, origin starter pack. And then <laughs> you can kind of choose your path from that about like whether you want like more Jedi stories and go yeah. or if like you want more uh like rebellion through Leia or like if you want more Rogue One stuff like there's a lot of different options yeah uh, so I think that's a good little little setup and they're all young adults they're very accessible mm-hmm. yeah and even though people might not be a fan of like the style of YA this is still a very more adult leaning YA book it talks about a lot of topics that yeah i mean um, most also, adult books don't even if really you've read, if you've read the prince of the scoundrel and you like beth revis's writing style you're gonna like this um yeah. also beth revis please write ray i'm literally on my hands and knees begging um you've written leia like it's already written two of my favorite star wars people star wars characters so just need ray to round <laughs> round that out real nice <laughs> <laughs> you gotta collect the trio yes your trio of baby girls. My trio. And then Val, my other baby girl. <laughs> my girl failure. <laughs> anyway, from this podcast, we get six thumbs up, I'm pretty sure. If we had more hands, amongst, we would do more. Amongst probably the favorite of the Kessel Run girlies. Very true. Book stamp of Kessel Run stamp of approval on this. <laughs> Your Kessel Run Relay re- reading guide includes Rebel Rising. Yes. Basically all, just anything Beth Revis writes from Star Wars. It's on there. Yeah. Uh, now I'll go into Kessel Run Book Club. And I 
feel that we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, so we're just going to do like a sense or two for each one. Um, Liv, have you caught up recently? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Dark Droids, I've talked about this before. I am very much enjoying my time in this in this establishment. Now, I said that I would be having my reservations because it is just, we literally jumped from like one crossover to another with maybe like three, four months of, of not, I don't want to say peace, but like not connected um, stories within the comics world. And I mean, again, we've been in the crossover land for straight up two years at this point. So again the moving from one into one crossover right from another long ass crossover i had my reservations however i am at my core a star wars horror girly like death troopers the from joe schreiber the legends book is still one of my favorite star wars books to this day so seeing like the astromech with hands and with like legs and feet and talking about how it's trying how it experimented with like putting droids on humans it it's just really freaky like that's dark droids is one of the few comics where i've had like a visceral reaction whereas like you get freaked out pretty easily what i don't appreciate is the f- discrimination against valence and tolvin and lobot which i guess we could talk about star wars 39 when we're talking about this because I need my boy Lobot to be free. And I'm concerned for the next issue of Afra because I know Tolvin's going to be in it and it is not going to be a fun time for her. <sighs> but yeah, overall, I like two and three. And then D-Squad was all right. I'm not a huge fan of that arc from the Clone Wars. I mean, I'm not, I don't know a ton of people who are except for Jay. Jay's a D-Squad girly. But it's a fun time. So Star Wars 39 came out i think last week and it was the most recent one for the star wars line i think we talked about 38 last time but basically lando and loba are getting chased by droid scourged droids and this talkie droid is really old so they can't like transmit it they have to like physically grab him to capture him and take take him over but as Lando, Lobot, and the talkie droid are all leaving. Lobot gets nabbed and he gets scourged, which is really sad because I've I've read Lobot and Lando's relationship since, like, Charles Soule's first Lando series, like, in the FACPOV book, I think it was the first one, all throughout, like, even the beginning of, of Star Wars 2020. Like, one of the very first arcs of Star Wars 2020 was... Lobot was Lando going back to Cloud City, saving Lobot and trying to save him from his neural implants. So seeing him get scourged and then have those like really jagged Wait, words for dead? Lando. No, he got scourged. Oh. <laughs> so he's he's taken over by the big purple like robot thing. But yeah, Lobot is fine for now. He's in a silly goofy mood. Okay. Yeah. And so is Valance. Oopsies. <sighs> anyway. Free my boy Lobot. He has done absolutely nothing wrong in his entire life. Moving back to Shadows of Starlight. What the fuck was that? Aslan Rel being the hooded figure that's walking with Yoda in Midnight Horizon? Did not expect that at all. Wait, that's him? Yes! 
Well, that's crazy. He lived a long time. He's human, isn't I he? I know. I think so. That's crazy. Yeah. That makes so much sense, though, that, like, the originator of the lullaby and, like, one of the, like, people that really, like... Yeah. That, that's so good, actually. Wow. It was a really good use Incredible. of character work. Yeah. It was really freaky seeing him. And he has, like, no eyes because he was so, like, crazy person by the nameless that he gouged out his eyes, I guess. Okay, so something happened. Yeah, something Probably happened put him in, like, him. Uh, like a... Oh, I wonder if it's like um what's the guy from like Fallen Order? Uh um um Taron Malikos, that guy who gets no. stuck on Dathomir. No, the High Republic guy who like a, was Dagan. in like Bacta okay. for Dagan. That's, that's for, from like, Survivor, not Fallen Order. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Survivor like we're like he got put in Bacta for like a bunch of years and then Yoda like found him and like woke him up. That's that's his origin story? No, I'm saying what isn't that Dagon? Like he was in. I Bacta don't know. Or... I haven't played Jedi Survivor. Oh, I thought that was in the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer. Oh, well, that's sorry. on you. I guess, but that's that's crazy. Yeah, so I think like that. Like I wonder if that's what's happening with him, or I maybe just surprised. like being insane makes you live longer. <laughs> Many thoughts. Well, it's good for us. <laughs> But yeah, that was whoever, really nice. whoever said that Shadows of Starlight would be the perfect summary of Phase One was so lying. you could read Phase Three. I don't think so. Lied straight to my face <laughs> because I was confused the entire time. Yeah. If you would like, I can give you a brief overview of Light of the Jedi and whatever. Yeah, I okay. like learning things in like little bits and pieces. Okay. Um, out of context, it's really fun. Like I learned about Bell's dog the other day. I like that. Wait, as in like something her dog did, or that she had a dog? No, the, she, the she just character. learned that she just learned that Ember existed. Yeah. <gasps> I think I think Ember looks very nice. Okay. I thought we meant like Bell the artist. <laughs> well, we were talking about High Republic, so no. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, um, Shadows of the Starlight gave me whiplash, and I'm not—I know for a fact it gave other people whiplash. Uh, didn't give me whiplash. I didn't know it was happening. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I'm intrigued to see how number two centers Elzar because he was already pretty centered in this issue. He was like one of the main characters and one of the guys who was like, guys, we need to maybe not train younglings like this. But anyway, Hyperspace Stories number nine, which was the return of Quinlan Voss to Dark Horse Comics. When I tell you that issue- I talking about it at all. I know. I I think they were in their Percy Jackson they're, era. They're in their Percy Jackson era. Yeah. Deep, so maybe. Yeah. But when I tell you, this was the best issue of the series so far. Like, the writing was fantastic. Quinlan was so, so in character. And I was worried about that, to be quite honest. Because Quinlan Voss is a character that not a lot of people get. Um, and, like, just everything about it was perfect. Like the dialogue, again, the characterization of Quinlan, the art, the the art style, the writing, the coloring, like it was fantastic and it is the best hyperspace stories issue that has come out thus far. I I pray 
I, I know I tweeted this before and Ethan agreed with me. Dark Horse, please keep doing something with, I think it was Michael Moresi, Moresi, I don't know, but keep this creative team and do a Quinlan spinoff from Dark Horse like you guys did in the early 2000s because that is still one of the main features of the Star Wars and the Star Wars Republic run after it got um, rebranded that that made people love it so much like they love Quinlan as a character and as you've as people have seen from Dark Disciple like he's a very interesting character and if you if they had like a similar thing in Dark Disciple that they did in the Republic series but they didn't delve too much into it and then they did a little bit of it wrong I think this could be a very good opportunity for Dark Horse to like to go back to what they were doing with Star Wars before the rebrand and before Disney bought it out. So yeah, Hyperspace Stories number nine, literally five out of five stars. I have no notes. Talked about Star Wars. Um, Afro 36, I don't remember very much, but I remember when I, when I um, read it, I enjoyed it a lot. And now we get to Bounty Hunters. Um... Liv, you want to chime in here? They turned Balance's brain to mush. They turned it into soup. And then he committed atrocities. It's kind of hot, though. Yeah, he's sexy, but it was Kind of. But they but completely supified him. It's, it's, yeah, like they took an immersion blender to it. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I just yeah. need my baby girl to be safe, and I want him to be happy. Yeah, they took him to this droid dude to get his memories back. And, and then, then this the droid bitch dude was evil, so he's like, actually, I'm going to take all of the memories away. He will not know who he is anymore, and he'll just be a killing machine. So, it's, it's going great. But anyways, <laughs> um, we got to see the chorus five most cats and that is very on, on my last name station mm-hmm. and, and i like to the, see losha again yeah i liked the losha and vukora team up yeah losha the the new artist i can't remember what his name is but the, the way the way he drew losha he knew he knew what the girls wanted <laughs> yeah he did it for the for the gay the girls, girls gays she's and theys Anyway, Bounty Hunters was okay, I guess. Soup balance, soup balance. Soup balance, soup balance. We gotta laugh through the pain. Can't with you guys. Anyway, Star Wars publishing has been in a hot streak lately. Like, Tales of Light and Life was really good. Also, we can cut this out, but do we want to do a Tales of Light and Life review? Yeah, maybe. Oh, we'll come back to that. Episode. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be a good bridge between phase one and two. Yeah. Also, I guess we can have shorter episodes. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you can recut. I liked what I've read so far. I'm excited for where this Dark Droids thing is going to go, and I'm wondering how they're going to resolve it. 
and how it affects them through to Return of the Jedi. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm pretty sure they're getting to the point in the story where they're super close to Return of the Jedi. And I think the next big announcement is going to be in like an article from StarWars.com saying that, you know, the runs are ending at issue 50. Well, most of them. Anyway. It's getting to that point where they're really... I don't want to say they've written themselves into a corner, but they're really like at the edge of what we know. And we're pretty close. I think actually with the solicits that came out this week, I think they're going back to Luke getting and building his green lightsaber so that he can be where he is in Return of the Jedi, obviously. So I think the rest of the runs are ending at 50. And I think that's going to be the next big announcement in the next couple of weeks is that they're going towards this once they, I think once they finish dark droids, they're going to announce it. But yeah, I think they're all ending at 50. We're finally moving on from the Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi. Yeah, three BBY or three ABY. And also, I want to put a disclaimer that is all speculation, and I have not been told anything besides that because <laughs> now I guess I have to put that legal disclaimer in. Um, but yeah, that's complete speculation. I, I don't know. That's again speculation. Uh, anyway, let's do some literacy updates. Let me tell you, I have been fiending for literacy lately so in the week that we last recorded saga 66 came out which drove since me you insane. last recorded Liv and i have not been here for a yeah. long time <laughs> well since i last recorded we re- we recorded with saga 66 and no i think we actually talked about this but yes bestie isabella won the saga um costume contest yeah as they should it was a really amazing costume it was and like what if you know the context of it it's it's perfect and then after that, I read, um, I got these like random issues from the comic book store. One of them is called It Eats What Feeds It. And it's got a milf and it's a monster story. So that's for the girlies. And then the Ballad of Ronin is, it's your typical like fey folk switching babies at birth thing. And it's set in Ireland and in the modern day. And I've only read issue one of that, but I'm interested to see how it goes on. Uh, and then I read The Higher Public Adventures Annual couple of days ago um which was it was cute like it, it's an anthology and i i really enjoyed how they had all of the authors do like their thing like charles did a bell and Loden story and daniel did a crash story and justina did a stellan and Vern story which i really enjoyed and i think i think also having a range of different artists also was a great idea it made it more enjoyable for me and then The Hunger in the Dusk, number three. Leah and I were talking about this. That series is so, so, so good. I've I've said this countless times before, but The Hunger in the Dusk is one of the best running comics right now. And if you're not reading it, you're doing a disservice to yourself. Uh, okay, now we're getting into books. So I haven't been doing much Star Wars reading lately. Um, I, I think the last Star Wars book I read was, it was Tales of Light and Life and then Rebel Rising. And then once I got to school, I started this arc that I got at San Diego Comic-Con called Find Him Where You Left Him Dead. It's a really cool, like, Japanese horror-inspired Jumanji game, but with bigger stakes and there's a big twist at the end. And then after I re- finished that, I, I, fi- I started and finished The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. So I'm in, like, a horror era right now, I guess. Um... Yeah. And then 
I've also been getting into the Murderbot Diaries. So I read Artificial Condition, which is the second book and really good. I really like art. And then I started Slewfoot, A Tale of Bewitchery, which is set in like 1600s New England. And it's a woman getting seduced by the devil, which honestly she is. Abatha has done nothing wrong in her entire life. And then at the same time, I also started Rogue Protocol, which is the third book in the Murderbot series. Again, I'm enjoying it. It's Murderbot. It's going to be good. And then yesterday on my hot girl walk, I decided to reread Light of the Jedi because I don't remember a single thing that goes on in that book other than the rape disaster and Ava Chris saves the day. And Kevin Tarr basically making a giant droid. <sighs> um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I haven't been posting a lot because I've been quite busy with um, my four jobs and school. So, any free time I get, I've been dedicating to literacy. So, Emily, thank you. What have you been reading? Oh, I don't even know when the last time I was on here <laughs> to say it was, but uh, I completed my reading goal, which was 52 books. Uh, unlike last year, where I was like, right at the end, I was like, really trying. Uh, we're 11 books ahead of schedule. So, Slay. that was very good. Literacy. August in particular I read like 10 books like I was just like flying through it um I'll give the highlights uh just so we don't go through it the only two Star Wars books I've read is Crimson Climb which uh you can read my full review on that on on Goodreads <laughs> uh thank you to NetGalley for the arc but uh it was um a book certainly it was there and it was a book um I also read Tales of Light and Life. Um, I think my favorite two stories were uh, the Martyr Row story and then um, the Crash uh, Alyssa Wong story. Mm -hmm. Those are probably my two favorites. Um, the Martyr story also... was fantastic. Oh, God, the Martyr story. It was yeah. so It was so, so good. It was, like, really the perfect, like, I think it was the good bridge between phase one and two. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, love that. Yeah. Or, yeah, not quite, but like a good and also a good transition for like her character, I think. A hundred percent. That was one of the things that I really wasn't satisfied with with Path of Vengeance because we see her like doing the three lines, but I don't understand how she devolved from like the Marta at the end of the book to the Marta that started. Um, yeah, but like Nile. seeing it here and like just like her. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, Love you, Tessa Gratton. Tessa Gratton, you were cooking with that one. <laughs> uh, and I also liked the Vernestra story. That yeah. was also a really good one. I also there thought was, that was good. There was some information in there. No, there was one paragraph that gave me such bad whiplash. Yeah. It was like, Vern became a a way seeker. way seeker she doesn't know where Embry is like Embry Embry <laughs> presumed dead like I was like what the fuck Just I was like whiplash. hello anyway insane information <laughs> but we know at least one of the people she mentioned is alive uh her other little friend whose name I cannot remember whose honesty mom was... I think nope oh the girl with the senator mother I'm blanking. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was insane. A lot going on there. A lot to <laughs> comprehend. Um, 
my main question, where is Wreath? Is he okay? Where is Wreath, Athee? Where is Wreath? I, and he, like, has not been mentioned in any phase three stuff, and I... I'm gonna do something drastic if something happened to him. Truly, he's fine. We know that. <laughs> At the end of Midnight Horizon, he's fine. Um, let's see. What else did I read? I finished that spy uh, series that I was rereading from my childhood. Oh, I will yeah. not lie. The last book, I did cry a little bit. Uh, oh. but it was it was really good, and it was another book series where it it grew up with the protagonist of the last two. Like mm. it was a lot more serious stuff, and like, but still kept that like fun uh tone. But I cried because I was like, oh, it's like I finally finished it. Um, I read Go Hex Yourself, which is a Raylo fan fiction. It was okay. <laughs> not not one of the better ones I would say um a little underdeveloped on the relationship uh but uh interested to read the second book which is a Rose Hux publisher oh wait that's the second book yeah the second book is uh Rose also Rose and Hux they set that up oh yeah that's been a that's, that's been a thing, been a, Ginger a Rose ship for years and years. Ew. Keller Ray yeah. Tran likes it. Keller Ray Tran ships it. Okay, but like, take a step back, like remove it from the Star Wars universe, and think about Rose's personality and Hux's personality. Just or think about it in the context that a lot of people do, which is Hux spy for the rebellion, but actually defects, not just yeah. to screw over Kylo Ren. Yeah. Okay. That f- makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, but it's I been a big I, thing. I agree. If you think of like the Last Jedi, yeah, like, that like that's what I was thinking of. Book. But <laughs> otherwise, I I think it is kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Kelly yeah. ships it. Kelly is a big shipper. I just saw something recently where yeah. she's also like a Raylo and a Finn Poe oh, girly. She, like yeah, she she's been a Raylo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she's one of the I, girlies. I read uh, Joan which is a book about Joan of Arc uh, and that if you're a former Catholic girly <laughs> read that uh, I that changed me very deeply I'm, I am not the same person I was when Joan ago <laughs> um, <laughs> that truly it was a lot also very cool or not cool not cool to anyone but me but my the saint my confirmation saint was one of the saints who like appeared to Joan of Arc. Uh, oh, that's so slayful. So, yeah. Uh, I also read Jezebel, which is a retelling of, like, Jezebel from the Bible from, like, her point of view. Another very good one for, like, former Christian Catholic girlies. Kels read that and recommended it to me. Um, yeah, I read some historical romances in there. Uh some regular romances i read the dark descent of elizabeth frankenstein which is by kirsten white uh and it's about like uh elizabeth who like was brought in to basically like be like victor frankenstein's like friend as a child and they like are getting married but it's like about her like dealing with kind of like his madness and like his experiment of like the monster i need to read frankenstein but it was very interesting <laughs> it was a good horror book too um so yeah and then i'm currently reading uh herc which is a 
retelling of the Hercules myth, but it's through the point of view of like everyone who's not Hercules. So like his brother, his parents, Megara, um, other wives and people that he interacted with. Um, it's also like it's it's also very funny and it's also queer. It like makes Ooh. Hercules like so like it's kind of one of those things where it's like Hercules' friends were probably not just his friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> friends eyebrow friends. raise. So uh it's really interesting and the author does a really good job like giving each character their own like voice. Um uh very good, very good. It, once again a good if you're a uh, mythology retelling and retelling enjoyer this is a good one I think I'm gonna try to finish it today but yeah that's the kind of recap general of what I finished it's been so long and I don't remember where we left off but uh yeah the next Star Wars book I will read will probably be Eye of Darkness but <laughs> yeah we'll see maybe something else probably that but I need to read uh reread Ballad of Songbird and Stakes so I have not read that to be honest gotta reread that I think uh, my so. next Star Wars book I might go for Rising I might try and finish Rising Storm before Eye of Darkness comes out I don't think that's very likely to happen but one of the books I've been meaning to read for a long long time and I, I just don't have Star Wars literacy right now is Leia Princess of Alderaan and I specifically brought it with me so that I can read it but I've heard a lot of good things about that book so hopefully that um that will happen and there is another certain book that I just have no desire to read and that you can read into into my exactly literacy yeah you know when I said literacy was a curse um, I'm reading Crimson Climb. Yeah, that's, uh, I still have to finish it. So you can expect a review from me. And I, as, as president of Kira Nation, <laughs> I feel that it is my moral obligation to not sh- sugarcoat anything. So this will be a very brutally honest review. So as it should be that'll i'm sure i'll finish it tonight if i can bring myself to read it again (laughs) the second Um, part goes easier i think yeah i hope so really hope so i think it's very telling not to say but it is very telling that most of myself included and a lot of the other like mutuals and people that we have have all rated this book three stars no one has gone higher at least for people that we uh personally like know and interact no with. interest <laughs> yeah. yeah like and most of the reviews are like it's it's a book fine. it's a book uh let's get in. i'm sure Liv and i you have my review Liv will have a pretty in-depth review i'm sure yeah uh jacob other bestie has a pretty and danielle both uh have pretty good uh like long reviews longer reviews both on their good reason danielle has one on her website uh if and i would recommend checking those out uh to get a sense about uh whether or not you want to read this i also have a review on my tiktok um that like if give you sense of whether or not you should read it we're not saying either way whether you should or should not but, but i mean I'm not gonna say the word, fans. But... yeah <laughs> 
And I did read the entire Kira trilogy of comics as it was coming out. And we did have an entire panel on Solo at Star Wars Celebration in Europe this year. But take it as you will. Just, um, I'm at chapter 18 so far. And as of right now, nothing has been added to Kira's character that we haven't already known. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest issue with it. Um, But I will remain silent otherwise. So valid of you. Thanks. What an episode. What a return to the pod space. Any uh, final thoughts? Oh, one final thought for the listeners. Um, With the advent of High Republic Phase 3 coming up, we will likely have a discussion on it, which I'm excited for because I don't think other than like, we, I think we did do Path of Deceit, right? We did. We did both of them. We did? Yeah, we did the, in yeah. our phase two. We did okay. we did young adult phase two. We have not done adult phase two yet. That is true. So it'll be exciting to kind of discuss the main phase one characters in the context of this new like pod space yes. that we and have. I think we're already we had our episode with Sage and Claire, and I think already quite a few of our predictions were very off about yeah. phase three. <laughs> But, yeah. but it'll be fun to return to that and see how yeah. bad our predictions were. We're excited for that. We're excited to keep doing book and comic things, at least as far as the SAG after strike is still going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, as always, if you have any suggestions for episodes, episode titles, more fun things, we always love reading your questions. Our email is in the description of these episodes. Um, as always, you can follow us on social media. Again, our links are in the description of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and may the force be with you.